Good morning, Reach Church. All right. So for those kids who are heading off to Reach Church, you can go now. And then join me in prayer. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, uh, this morning we thank you once again for your great salvation. And we proclaim your glory and your beauty and your excellence that you in your grace saved us through Christ. That we would be dead without him and that we'd be lost without him. And we thank you this morning once again for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask that you would change us from the inside out. That we'd worship with the whole of ourselves. And Father, that we would be pleasing and um, express our worship and our love for you in a way that, that is pleasing to you. So, Father, would you use your word this morning? Would you teach us? Would you open our eyes to see and our, our hearts to understand the things that you have for us? And Father, we ask that uh, by the Spirit, you would make us change from the inside out. Not artificial change, but change that is motivated by desire to, to honor and worship you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, this morning is our last of the Everyone Needs a Friend series. All right, so, uh, how do we end it? We're ending with the fact that everyone needs a Jethro. A Jethro. All right, so, everyone knows who Jethro is, so I won't explain it. But uh, no, Jethro, Jethro is uh, kind of an obscure character. He is from uh, the story of Exodus. He is Moses' father-in-law. All right, so kind of... We're not talking about him being a father-in-law, that specifically. Everyone needs a father-in-law. I don't know. Um, but he, uh, he is this kind of obscure character, but he ends up speaking into the life of Moses, the deliverer of God's people. And he does so, actually, with a lot of wisdom and a lot of practicality and is incredibly helpful to Moses. And he's helpful without kind of having a, a lot of theology um, he's actually a brand new convert to Christ, or to, to Yahweh, and to the worship of, of God. So he doesn't know a lot, but he's very practical, he's very wise. And what he does, he helps Moses see how kind of the culture of the people of Israel doesn't reflect their God. And that Moses, as a leader, doesn't reflect the God that they worship. Now, why does everyone need a Jethro? Why does everyone need a Jethro? I would say that we need Jethros because our, our Christian faith can be very cultural. That we can kind of go through the motions in our faith and, and do what we do because that's just how we've always done it. And we are blind to the fact that sometimes we are we're not actually reflecting the gospel that we believe in. Sometimes we're not reflecting the God that we believe in. And we're kind of just actually doing some things that are totally displeasing or just don't make any sense. And the Jethro's are there to to point those things out, to ask the question and to to force us to think about things more practically and uh, in one sense more theologically. So we're going to be looking at Jethro this morning, looking at three things that he does. Uh, We're going to see Jethro's worship, 
Jethro's wisdom and Jethro's advice. All right, worship, wisdom, advice. Let's turn to Exodus 18 and take a look at, at Jethro. Exodus chapter 18. What page was that? 59. 59. 59 if you're looking for it. Ooh. <laughs> letting you cheat this morning. All right. Exodus 18. All right. And we're going to start by looking at Jethro's conversion. So it's a really long passage, so I'm only going to read it as we go through it. Uh, so let's start at verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for, the, for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom. That's a great name. Uh, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. All right. So uh, what's going on here? Uh, how the heck did Moses get a Midianite priest as a father-in-law. All right, so uh, Moses, Moses was a murderer. So he murdered an Egyptian and he fled to the desert. And while he was in the desert, he met a bunch of daughters, the daughters of Jethro. And so he, he went back, he stayed at Jethro's house for a while, fell in love with Zipporah, had two kids. This is kind of the, the life pre the Exodus for Moses, his life in the wilderness. And he leaves his family there in the wilderness and comes back to Egypt to deliver the people. All right? So this is the kind of the family from before. And, uh, and they heard about the Exodus, so they're coming back. Verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, I'm coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him and they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. All right. So, the exodus is done and Jethro comes to figure out what, what it was all about. And so Moses tells him from his own mouth the events of the exodus. Verse 8. Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. Uh, just a side note, so this is a Bible reading thing. Look at, look at Lord there. Look at Lord. It's in all, all caps, four letters. All right, that means something. That means that the covenantal name of God, that is Yahweh. That is Yahweh. That this, there's a name to this God. He's not just called God. He's called Yahweh, represented here as Lord. And so Moses comes to Jethro and they're, they're sitting and he is going to say what this Yahweh, the God of Israel, did for his people. And he starts by saying what the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. What the Lord had done to Pharaoh. And so what would this story have looked like? He would have told the story of maybe being called by the burning bush and how he went to Pharaoh and Pharaoh refused, but then God sent the plagues. 
the ten plagues. He would have talked about the, the blood and the frogs and the flies. He would have talked about the angel of the Lord coming. How the angel of the Lord came to kill every firstborn in, Israel, uh, in Egypt. He would have told how God then provided the Passover lamb to protect the Israelites from this angel of death. And he would have told how all of Israel was freed from Egypt with actually treasure on their backs, the treasures of Egypt with them, and were delivered out of slavery. But the Lord had done for Israel. And then he goes on and explains, uh, look at that verse, all the hardships that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. What would that story have looked like? He would have told the stories of wandering in the desert, not knowing where to go, and the Lord sends a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night to guide the people. He would have told the story of the Red Sea, how, how the people were fleeing from the Egyptians that were pursuing them. And they were trapped by a wall of water. They were going to either get killed by Egypt or drown in the Red Sea. And what did the Lord do? The Lord delivered them. He actually sends, sends wind, a rush of wind to, to open a path through the water. And the people walk through the water. These are Israelites. They don't swim. This is death. If you're at the bottom of the Red Sea, you should be dead. But here they are walking through the water. They come up on the other side alive and well. He would have told the story of, of them being hungry and starving in the desert. The Lord providing the bread from heaven. Or how they're dying of thirst. And the Lord provides water from the rock. Finally, he would have told the story of the Amalekites, how, how they were battling and, and Moses had to hold up his staff. And as long as he held it up above his head, they were victorious. The Lord was giving them victory. And when it fell, they would get defeated. And so they had, they had two men on either side of Moses holding his arms up that they might have victory by the Lord. These are good stories. How the Lord provided for his people. How the Lord saved them from Egypt. And what is, what is Jethro's response to this? Verse 9. Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel. In that he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. He rejoiced at the good that Yahweh had done. That this God for this people had delivered them. And then he says, verse 10. Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. He praises Yahweh. He praises the Lord. But he doesn't do it in kind of like how our culture would do it, like a, oh, that's good for you, and like, good for you and your God, that's great, uh, that sounds like it was good for you. No, no, look, he goes on. He actually makes something of it. Verse 11, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. That Yahweh is greater than all gods. Because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. Now that's a weird little last phrase there. Essentially saying like, Egypt, Egypt was being arrogant. And messing with Yahweh's people. And Yahweh didn't put up with it. But Yahweh actually came down and, and put a stop to it. He heard the cries of his people. And he delivered them. 
And he realizes that that's different than the other gods. That the, the other gods seem to be kind of deaf to the cries of their people. Or the other gods, they, they expected you to do all the work. Oh, uh, you need to save yourselves. You need to get your army together. Go take some land for yourself. But no, this God is different. This is a God who provides for his people. And when he sees the nature of this God as a deliverer, as a faithful God, as a God who, who comes down and fights for his people, he realizes this God is different. And this God is better. In verse 12, he, he offers sacrifices. He, he chooses this God as his. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. All right. This is the conversion of Jethro. And how does the conversion story go? He, he hears about what this God, Yahweh, has done. He sees the love of this God, the power of this God, the dedication this God has to his people. And he wants to worship. He wants to sacrifice. He's done with the Midianite gods. He's been a priest there, and he hasn't seen this kind of work. He hasn't seen a God like this. And that is the nature of our God. That is our God, Yahweh. When we hear that, we should, we should have some affection for it. That Yahweh is our God. It feels kind of Old Testament-y and weird and like, oh, like a bunch of blood sacrifice kind of sounding. But no, that's our God. That we have a God who, who hears the cry of his people and who delivers them and does something about it. That that is our story. And then we see an even better story in Jesus Christ. This is Yahweh incarnate. Yahweh, that amazing God, as a person walking on this earth. And when Yahweh came, he came to give himself for us. To die, to sacrifice. He heard our cries, our moaning because of sin and death and oppression and slavery under sin and God did something about it. And he didn't do kind of a, like a resurrection, a going under the water and coming up. No, he, he did a real resurrection. He died for us. He came back to life to give us life, to take away our death. That is the gospel. That is what we believe. That is what we live by. By that deliverance and that God. That is the story that we tell. And we tell about how we, we have encountered that God and what he's done for us. Now, there are other gods. Let's take the classic American gods. Gods of money, sex, and power. And we ask, how do those gods treat their people? All right. How does the God of power treat people when they find themselves to be weak? Or when... The God of sex encounters people who are, who are ugly and ashamed and hate themselves. How does, how does that God react? When the God of money finds you poor, 
How does that God treat you? Those gods, they, they mock you when you are down. They laugh at you. And they remind you that you are weak and you are poor and you are ugly. And they abandon you. And that's just what every God does but ours. And you find that those gods, that the longer you serve them, the less and less they give to you, the less and the more and more they demand. Until you're on your deathbed and they have totally left. No more beauty, no more power, no more wealth, until you're dead in the grave with nothing. Those are the gods that Jethro had seen. And then he sees Yahweh, he sees the God that comes down and dies for his people. Who actually, instead of just leaving them dead there in the water, he comes and dies for them and gives us life. That's our God. That is our God. And Jethro hears about that God and, and he decides to worship him right then and there. All right. Conversion story, that's good. That's good stuff. And so Jethro then, then goes his first day among the people of God, and it's a disappointing day. It's a disappointing day among the people of God. Uh, if, if you're a new, new to Christ, uh, welcome to disappointment. Um, verse 13. Because <laughs> of us, not because of God. God stays good. Uh, the next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. So Moses, he's... He's teaching the people. This is a new God, by the way. They don't, even, they don't know what he's like. And so, it's just Moses. And everyone's coming up with all their cases, all their complaints. From morning until evening. And he's deciding case after case after case. Verse 14. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Jethro sees the normal daily operations and he, he, asks, he has to ask a question. He, he, can't, he can't hold back. And, and Moses, how does Moses respond? Verse 15, Moses said to his father-in-law, uh, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses has no idea what, what he's even getting at. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm judging the people. I'm settling their cases. This is the most obvious thing in the world. Why are you asking me this question? And we see here that already uh, there's a culture to the people of Israel. Um, not given by God. They just kind of made it up themselves. That, and Moses put himself in this position where he has to be kind of the fountainhead of all knowledge. And everyone needs to come to him. And that's just how, how it always works. And honestly, that's, that's how the, the church and our Christian lives often look. Like, oh, like, why, why do you meet like how you do? And why do your relationships in the church look the way they do? And if we just, oh, that's just, that's just how it works. That's what church looks like. All right, Jethro's are here to ask the questions. And force us to consider, like, but is that actually how it's supposed to be? And does it make sense? 
And Jethro, Jethro sees that this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense on a practical level. Everyone's getting burnt out. But it also is inconsistent. It's inconsistent. And he doesn't have to be a believer in Yahweh for very long to see the inconsistency. And he says it to him straight, verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Moses is doing it alone, and he's being crushed under the burden of it. And it's not just him who is exhausted. The people are exhausted. That all the people have to come to this one person. And they're all crushed under the weight of it. And he says this very simple fact, you are not able to do it alone. And we, we hear that and we think, okay, are you, are you exhausted? Are you worn out? Are you feeling the burden of being a Christian? This is, this is what Jethro is saying to us. And the inconsistency is that when he heard the testimony of the Exodus, he wasn't thinking it was all about Moses. It wasn't the story of Moses. It wasn't the story of Moses delivering the people. It was about Yahweh. It was about God. In fact, it was mostly about Moses needing help. Now Moses, he, he couldn't talk for himself, so he had Aaron. He couldn't do miracles, so God gave him the staff. The miracles were done through the staff so that there was no confusion that it wasn't really Moses doing it. Moses didn't give him any miracles. Moses didn't provide the angel of death. Moses didn't think about a Passover lamb and how to do that. Moses didn't deliver them across the Red Sea. Even fighting the Amalekites, all he had to do was hold up his staff. He couldn't do that. He had a two, two people on either side holding his arms. The story of their deliverance was not the story of Moses and how great Moses was. It was the story of Yahweh. It was a story upon, of dependence upon a God who would deliver them. And yet here is Moses doing it all alone and making it all about himself, trying to, to lead the people without any help. Moses was not God. Moses was a man. And Moses was failing to be a God. He couldn't handle it. Right. When we say it like that, it seems pretty obvious. Um, and thankfully, Jethro see it that way. It is pretty obvious. And that's where we, we need Jethro's to help us see these things. To help us see the things that Culturally, we just do as Christians that are just totally stupid. Um, all right, what does this look like? Uh, let's take the Bible. The Bible. What do we believe about the Bible? Um, kind of uniquely as evangelicals, we think that this is the word of God given to his people. That the, the omnipotent, all-wise, all-knowledgeable God gave us his word and we don't read it. 
but we struggle to read it, or we read it like once a week or once a month. The Jethro's would look at that. Non even non-Christians would look at us and say, wait, either you don't believe it or you're just dumb. All right, let's take prayer. Prayer. That you believe that you're, we believe that you're talking to the God of the universe who is your father and wants to give you all good things if you just ask him. And we, we are too busy and we think it's boring, so we don't do it. Uh, community. That we're this family. Oh, we're, we're a family. And we're united in Christ, but we also never hang out and are totally awkward and fake when we hang out. Like, the, there's a problem there. Like, the Jethro's can see through that. And honestly, our lives all personally look like that. And we can see things in each other that are inconsistencies and we're not living as we should. Everyone needs a Jethro because we're blind to those things. And we, we need to see them. I need Jethro's to point those kind of things out. Um, I think of when... Uh, it was just after college, and we were, I was, we were planning our wedding. Um, and I was just like, I was getting really anxious and kept, and my mom, my mom just comes to me and she says, you know, you know what needs to happen? You need to stop having faithless meltdowns. <laughs> and she's like, and you think you're going to become a pastor? Like, let's start there. And it was like, oh, like, mother. Um, <laughs> and parents are never impressed with the, with the pastorness. Um, that's what Jethro's do. They, like, come and point out, like, the obvious inconsistencies and things that are just dumb. And where our hearts just haven't actually understood the things that we say we believe yet. Moses still didn't really believe that, that the people were trustworthy, that God was going to use all of these people. And he made it all about himself. He turned this story all about Yahweh and made it all this, this burden of all the things that he had to do to make sure that the people were saved. Jethro see that and they, they tell us and they direct us back to dependence upon God and dependence upon people that it's all about what God does, not what we do. All right. Now, last point. Then Jethro, he gives his counsel. He gives his counsel. Uh, read this for me, verse 19. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. This guy's confidence. That's good. Uh, you shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. So he's saying to teach them, teach them the law. Then you don't have to do it as much. Teach it to them. 21. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of ten. Let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but small matters they shall decide between themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace." 
What is Jethro saying? Okay, like, teach the people. You can do the big stuff that you're responsible for, but let other people help you. You are not in this alone. And the first time you read this, it's, it sounds like kind of very worldly advice. Like, oh, like, you need some help, get some help. Um, but I think it's bigger than that. Because there's always, a, there's always a vertical dimension and a horizontal dimension. So, if we're dependent upon God, vertically, with, with God, he's up there, vertically, that should play out in our horizontal relationships. And so, an error between God is going to express itself as an error between people. And what, what Jethro is seeing is that God first, or Moses, first of all, is betraying his dependence upon God. And that's then translating to being independent with people. He's independent with God. He's independent with people. And for Moses, an act of faith in God would be to trust the people of God. To depend upon them. And you know, that would have been hard for Moses. Because Moses hasn't had a great experience with the people. The people have been whiny and complained the whole time. And they've challenged God and rejected God. And it would be an act of faith to trust people for him. And I know that for some of you, it would be an act of faith to actually relate to people in our congregation, to, to let people in, to get to know people. But you do it because you're dependent upon God and you express that dependence upon God practically by being dependent upon people. It's not super spiritual. And I usually like things to be super spiritual. Um, that's why we need Jethro's because they're very practical. Um, and they say that you're not really part of the people of God. Moses, you're not actually leading the people of God if you're unwilling to, to relate to them in any way, to be dependent upon them to actually be part of the family of, it, of God. And so, verse 24, Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of ten, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves, and Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went to his own country. Now, why did Moses listen? We don't fully know. I hope that it's because he was reminded of, of who God really was. That the story was not about him. That the story was about what Yahweh had done. That they'd celebrated it the night before and they remembered. They remembered the story of their deliverance. They didn't have to be independent people. Now, where does this get us? All right. Why do we live as independent people? Partially because it's just our culture and that's what you do. And partially because we don't trust people and we don't trust God. That everything needs to be in our own hands, doing it ourselves. We don't trust God to do it and we certainly don't trust the people of God to do it either. 
That's, that's the American way, is to do it yourself. And the gospel is the quite opposite of that. Is that Christ did it for you. That he is strong. He is the one who sacrifices. He is the one who delivers. And that's why, that's why Jesus says, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus did it already. How much of the things that you are trying to do are just burdens you're placing on yourself that Jesus has already taken care of? We, have, we feel the burdens of, of ensuring that the future is good. That's God's job in Christ. We feel the burdens of, of taking care of all the people around us. Jesus is going to take care of his people. We feel the burden of making sure that that our work life, that our families, that all of these things stay put together. That's God's job. And he's going to do that. And actually he's going to do it by, by sending people to help. That's the plan. And we need to trust God's plan to be in community and to do this all together. Now, uh, that's very practical. Which means that the application is going to be very practical. Alright, so we, we've, we're finishing up a series on friendship and on relationships. Um, I have to challenge us. Have our relationships actually changed as we've gone through this series? Do you have any more friends? Do you have a, a mentor now? Do you have uh, someone you're being mentored by? Are, have you invited anyone to your house? Are you doing anything to, to practically be dependent upon people? This is a total waste if it doesn't, do, it doesn't actually turn into anything. Then we just kind of sat here and stimulated our brains but did nothing to our hearts. All right, are we, are we willing to be dependent upon people because we're dependent upon God? Now, the, the nice thing is we're in fall. There's lots of opportunities to get involved. There's lots of peop people to be dependent upon. We have reach groups. We have uh, Wednesday nights are starting up. We have life-on-life -life groups. It's like super intense discipleship groups. You could join one of those. We have volunteer opportunities. We have the potluck. Come to the potluck. Shameless plug for the potluck. It'll be fun. Um, we need each other. Other people need you. You need other people. That's just what God has made us to be. And as a dependence upon Christ and dependence upon the God who made us, we do that in faith. And honestly, like, God, God knows what he's doing. We can trust Jesus. He's not leading us astray. He's not holding anything back. He knows how this is supposed to work. So, go be in community. All right, let's pray. Father, um, we thank you that you have uh, not called us to be alone. 
that we do not have to bear the burden of our sin and our shame and our guilt alone, but that we can give that to Christ and he will bear it for us. And Father, we thank you that we do not need to bear the, the burdens of his life. Our, our fears, our anxieties, our, our needs, our, our loneliness, our isolation, we don't have to bear those things alone, but we can do them with one another. And you have given us this community. So Father, I ask that you would humble us. That you would show us our, our need for you and our need for one another. And Father, I confess that in preaching a very practical application, I recognize that it's easy to, to not do it and to be just disobedient in that sense. We can usually create some kind of spiritual quasi-obedience, but um, we actually have to go do things. So Father, would you give us great faith? Would you help us to, to believe you and to do what you say because what you've done for us? We thank you for Christ. We thank you for his sacrifice. Would you create us uh, into a, a real body that is interdependent as we depend on you? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.